Hello, everyone. You are listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Rally. I am Jordan Hall, and as always, I am joined by the dynamic Joe Fordyce, our Flyers pre- and post-game live producer. Joe, the playoffs are now in the final four. Uh, The Montreal Canadiens will play the Vegas Golden Knights, and the New York Islanders will play the Tampa Bay Lightning. So the playoffs have been fun, plenty of surprises, uh, which I know everyone likes. First, we're going to get into some Flyers, and then we will get into some playoffs and how that still relates to the Flyers. But Joe, let's start with a little fun segment. Uh, We're going to first look at Flyers with the most to prove next season and Flyers with the most to lose next season. Joe, let's start with most to prove. In your mind, what is the Flyer uh, that has the most to prove next season in 2021-22? Jordan, when you look at it, I think just by the nature of what his contract says, that Claude Giroux has the most to prove because he's entering the final year of a contract. So he has to prove that he's worthy of another contract in this league. And for whatever amount of money that may be, whether it be with the Flyers or with another team. Um, You know, Drew probably gets a bit of a bad rap here, I think, uh, sometimes, and people pile on the guy. Uh, Maybe he's the low-hanging fruit because he's the captain. Um, And and this this city has a a history with the, you know, kind of coming down hard on the captain, at least since the 90s when Eric Lindros was the captain. It just seemed to be, you know, when the team isn't going well, let's just zero in on the guy with the C. It's not all about the guy with the C, but I do think he has the most to prove because it's – it's um, the, does he want another contract with the Flyers? Does he – and what really, at this stage in his career, what kind of player is Claude Giroux? And that's what he has to prove next season. Um you know, a few years ago, we got the, the we had 99 points, right? What, um, three seasons ago? Um, and then, you know, he's had decent regular seasons. And then last year in the playoffs, you know, his, his production really wasn't there. And he, I do think he has a lot to prove in a playoff scenario because we haven't seen a real good playoffs from Claude Giroux or really anybody from anything from the Flyers since, you know, that, that Penguin series back in, uh, in 2012, it, it's just, it, it just hasn't been great um, for anyone, but, you know, with him being the captain, captain, the attention, you know, goes to him. So, um, but just by the nature of his contract situation and the stage he's in in his career, I'm going to definitely say Claude Giroux is the most approved uh, next season. That's a really good one uh, for so many reasons that you just hit on too, Joe. And, yeah, you think about it, contract year for Claude Giroux, future somewhat somewhat in doubt in Philadelphia. He has expressed the desire to stay here, but uh, things can change over the course of a season. Uh, we'll have to see where he stands and where the Flyers stand uh, when 2021-22 is all said and done. And he'll be 34 uh, next January. So a ton to prove there with age and, and, and the contract. And right, and Jordan, I think the big thing with Giroux, too, is, and you've heard a lot of talk about this, you, you hear Giroux isn't, you know, this type of player anymore or that type of player anymore. I think it's, he has to prove what type of player he is for his next contract. 
Yeah. Is he is he a second line center? Is he a winger? Is he a center? You know, it, I think a lot of that remains to be seen because he's, you know, we, we've seen him on the wing the past couple of seasons, um, but we've seen him on the wing while using some center tendencies on the defensive end. And then we've seen him move back to center, maybe to shake things up when the offense isn't going or his line isn't going or something like that. So I think really like what that role is and what kind of player he is, is something else that needs to be proven um, next season for Drew. Yeah. And then you even tie in uh, what he wants to prove to Flyers fans in Philadelphia. You probably would love to do something in the playoffs, Joe, because like you said, it, there hasn't been a lot of playoff success here. He has admitted that um, going back to, uh, you know, the, the run to the Stanley Cup. He, he has admitted that, yeah, they haven't won a whole lot in the playoffs, uh, and he would like to change that. So a ton to prove there in that facet, uh, which makes Audrey a perfect candidate for most to prove next season. Joe, I'm going to switch gears a little bit. I think Travis Konechny was kind of on my mind here. I think there's a lot to prove in his end. Uh, that he is an all-star player, that he can score goals at a higher clip. Um, we all know that he can produce a lot more than he did this season and basically return to form, return to the 2019-20 form when he was an all-star, when he was the team's leading goal scorer, when he was the team's leading point scorer. So a lot for him, but I'll go Carter Hart. I think there's a ton to prove for the netminder, for the 22-year-old kid in net, Everyone knows what he went through this season. Uh, and I don't think there's a ton of doubt within the organization or a ton of doubt even outside uh, within the fan base about Carter Hart's future. I think a lot of people still think highly of Carter Hart. They believe in his ability and his future um, as, as the team's netminder going forward. But no doubt about it, uh, he would like to prove a ton next season because he has to. Uh, this season was a failure across the board from a team perspective. And then also uh, Carter Hart's was not the Carter Hart people expected. So I think Carter Hart will have a ton to prove if he struggles out of the gate, if he does go through some tough times, I just think doubt will naturally slip into many people's minds of, well, is this, this, is this 2020, 2021 all over again? Is it going to be two years of Carter Hart struggles? Um, I don't think there will be. I think he'll, he'll bounce back and look like the guy that a lot of people thought and believe he is. Um, but I just think he has a ton to prove just given what he went through last season. And uh, let's be real. The goaltending was one of the key issues to why the Flyers had the season they did. Uh, if they have even league average goaltending, um, they're probably in the playoff picture. Uh, they're probably competing for a playoff spot. They might even be in the playoffs if they get league average goaltending. They didn't. They had the worst save percentage in the NHL. And uh, so Carter Hart, to me, is the guy with the most to prove. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. 
crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Flyers Talk is brought to you by Great Railing. Stop into Great Railing for the highest quality and lowest prices in all your railing, decking, and fencing needs. Well, Joe, let's get to the second part of our segment, Flyer with the most to lose next season in your mind. Who is it? I'm going to say we've talked about him a lot on pre and post game. Um, I'm going to borrow a thought from Al Morgani here. I'm going to say Travis Sanheim. Um, Travis hasn't really gotten, I, I don't think Travis has really established what his role is in the NHL yet. Is whether he's a, uh, you know, a top four you know, defenseman on a team, a top two pair guy. Um, and there's a, there's been a lot of talk surrounding uh, he, him being a young player. And I think that all has to stop. Um, this is, th- this guy's played a lot of NHL games. Um, he was a former first round pick. And, you know, if he doesn't establish himself as a guy that can be relied on, I, you know, I, I think he has a lot to lose. Um, and I really think that that's, uh, that's going to have to happen this season. Um, because, you know, we see flashes and sort of, um, streakiness of where we get the best of Travis Sanheim. And then we see, um, we saw a good amount of it this year where, you know, you look at the box score at the end of a game, I mean, he was minus six in one of those games at the Garden against the Rangers, and you just can't have that. Um, you can't have the peaks and valleys like that. I mean, everybody's going to have a bad night, but it, it's. I think there's a little too much of this with Travis and not enough of having it up here. And um, I think for a player of his stature and, you know, where he was drafted, the expectations and those sorts of things – I think we have to lose the young player tag and he, he really needs to step up and solidify his role in this team. And, um, and if he doesn't, then, you know, I, I, the title of this segment, who has the most to lose? I think he has the most to lose if, you know, if he doesn't, if he's not able to shed that identity of being a young player, that's going to make some mistakes because He's played a lot. He's played a good amount of games in this league now. Yeah, twenty-five years old, not really a kid, and he'll have a new contract going into next season as well. He's obviously a restricted free agent this all season. He's coming off that kind of mini prove it um, bridge deal. Uh, it was two years, so uh, he said. And that's, and that's another reason why he has the most to lose because he's on that bridge deal, and if he wants to get. A, you know, his, his big NHL contract, his first big contract. Um, n- not that the, not that the money he's making is something to, you know, snub your nose at it. It, he's a well-paid player, but that first big, the long-term deal, the, the, the kind of deal that solidifies your role with a franchise um, that, that he's going to have to shed that, you know, that young player that, is susceptible to mistakes type of label. Like you said, it's 25, a lot of games under his belt in this league. And I think it's time. Um, it, it's really time for him to step up and, and, and carve out a role. 
Yeah, and, and, and going into next season with the new contract, there's going to be, um, yeah, expectations. Uh, not only did he have a season that he probably wish uh, he didn't this past season, he, he believes he can be better, and the Flyers believe he can too. Uh, he wasn't the only guy to struggle, let's be honest. But, yeah, a ton there uh, for Travis Sanheim to really show what he can do, and he'll be doing it on a new contract. So there's going to be uh, expectations and – yeah, what, what, what would happen if he, if he struggles again next season? It's certainly interesting to think what he has to lose next year if he doesn't play up the par, up the standards. Uh, Joe, for me, I think there's a number of guys we can go here. Uh, some guys that popped into my mind, Philip Myers, one. Uh, I feel like Philip Myers and Travis Sanheim are kind of tied at the hip. Uh, they're, very, they're in very similar situations in terms of a lot to prove, um, some to lose next year. I think Philip Myers, uh, an undrafted guy, with a ton of upside, but really hasn't shown it uh, consistently. There's a lot to lose there, I think, if he doesn't come out and play well next season for sure. Uh, Nicholas Albe-Kubel is a role guy that uh, I think could lose his everyday lineup spot next season if he doesn't show what he can do consistently and stay out of the penalty box. But for me, I'm going to go Nolan Patrick, Joe, and I'm anxious to hear your thoughts as well. But Nolan Patrick, if he's still a flyer next season, which I expect him to be, He's a restricted free agent this offseason. There's been some buzz uh, about him not wanting to be here. I don't – I'm not going to get into that a ton, but I don't really believe there's a ton of um, credence to that. But I think he'll be here next season. I think they're going to get a new contract done. And uh, But coming off of last year, minus 39 points, um, a lot of people understanding the circumstances – understanding that he was coming off 650-plus days without playing a game going into this year after missing the previous season because of a migraine disorder, uh, playing through the COVID type of season with very little time to recharge uh, physically and mentally. Uh, so he went through a lot, and uh, the circumstances were difficult. But next year, uh, it should be a normal season. Normalcy should be pretty prevalent next season. I, and he mentioned that this offseason was probably the most – important offseason of his life so he's eager and chomping at the bit I think to really show what he can do next year show why he was the number two overall pick in 2017 but if he struggles out of the gate if he doesn't uh, put up some offensive production which people expect from a number two overall pick uh, if he doesn't play 200 feet and just take on a lot more on his plate uh, I think there's a lot to lose there maybe maybe uh, his future in Philadelphia will start to seriously be doubted. I think some people are even starting to doubt it now. Uh, fans uh, across the board, I think. Uh, there's portions of the fan base that are starting to really question his future here in Philadelphia. But if it's two years in a row of struggles and not really looking like the player people hoped he would be, that's where I think uh, he'll have a lot to lose because uh, I think just reality will start setting in of – this would now be five years of Nolan Patrick here in Philadelphia. His first two, um, obviously about the same 13-ish goals, 30-ish points. Uh, the next year, the, his third year, he missed all of it. Fourth season uh, this year, we know what happened then. And then this is year five, year five of Nolan Patrick. I think, um, you know, the pressure is on. It's uh, unfortunate. We, we, pro sports, he's a young kid still. He's 22. But this is pro sports. And – um, I think expectations will be high for him. People are going to be hoping for a lot. And if he doesn't show it, uh, I think there's a lot to lose. I, I think his future in Philadelphia could be up in the air there um, after that year. We'll have to see what kind of deal he gets, Joe, how many years going into next season. 
so that will play a lot into the whole most to lose discussion. But for me, it's, it's going to be Nolan Patrick. I'm, I'm eager to what you think of Patrick's outlook going into next year. Yeah, I, I think that, that that's a great um, choice for this, um, this particular uh, category because um, he got that season under his belt. And what do we hear at the end of season sort of exit interviews from Fletcher, from Chuck Fletcher, as well as Elaine Vigneault, about how important it was for, for Nolan to get through the season. So now that he has that behind him, now you need to start to see the player that he is and can be. And let when you take a look at when the Flyers were struggling last season and you still saw Nolan out there on the power play, he was on that second power play unit pretty regularly through the season and he was not producing. You, you just, you can't afford to have that. You, you can't afford to have that. Um, there's other guys that are worthy of power play time. There were this season. And I feel, I, I, I felt there was this genuine effort on the team's part to sort of jumpstart him. And that's why they didn't take him off the power play. But I think next season that you have to, you know, the onus test will be a little more on the player to, to, to jumpstart and to kind of show what he's all about. So I think that's a great one. I want to follow up on a couple names you mentioned there. Nicholas Obey-Kubel, I felt like he was really carving a rollout for his team maybe mid-season this year. And down the stretch, he took absolutely killer penalties in crucial games, in big spots that cost the Flyers goals on the, pe- on the penalty kill, um, you know, penalties that resulted in goals. And, you know, it's kind of like – in the NFL, the easiest way to get yourself out of the lineup if you're, say, a running back is to put the ball on the ground a bunch. I feel like the easiest way in the NHL to get yourself out of the lineup is to take killer penalties. And Obey Cubell's penalties were the type that were, you know, uh, way away from the play. They were behind the play type of stuff, things that didn't affect actually what was going on at that time in the game. And these are the penalties that just drive coaches crazy. And, uh, you know, they, we saw we saw this season. They really cost the team. I will say your choice for most to prove, I think it also be in the most to lose. Because yeah. Travis Konechny is, you know, we, saw, we started to see it late in the season, him come on. But it seemed as if um, – maybe he was a little bit out of shape coming into camp and that we know is something. And we saw it this season. We can't, the flyers can't afford to have Travis connect not at his top game because they rely on him so much. So um, it, you know, he, I know he has a new contract, so he's not going anywhere, but in terms of where he fits in the lineup, you know, I, I do think that he has, a good amount to lose in the part term in the stature of his line of his space in the lineup. Um, if he doesn't come out and, 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 and play like the Travis connecting we've known in previous seasons. Um, so I do think that's an, it, you know, he could go either way. A lot of these guys could go either way that we're talking about in this discussion. So. 
Yeah, and you think about it, it's the third season of Elaine Vigneault in Philadelphia. So maybe he's starting to make up his mind on certain players on exactly what they do well and exactly what they don't do well. Uh, where, yeah, you know, year one was all about, he consistently said, I'm trying to figure everyone out. I'm trying to find out what works best. There's going to be a lot of maneuvering and adjustments. Uh, year two uh, has come and gone, and this is now year three. So you, you really wonder if certain players are going to start to lose favor with the head coach. Um, and, and like Dolan Patrick is one of them. Like not only are we talking about his contract and his future in Philadelphia, but where does he stand in the lineup too? Um, is, is he going to be all the way down at fourth line? Is he going to play on the wing at times? Uh, could he sit at times? He was a healthy scratch at the end of the yeah, we, I, I, I totally forgot to bring that up. The, the, we saw him as a healthy scratch this year, and and I think that's telling. I mean, yeah. there's not a lot of top six forwards in this league that get healthy scratched. Right. Um, so I think that showed you that he, he had – he spent a little bit of time in Elaine Vigneault's doghouse this year. And, you know, the, I, I think that that – whatever – if he was, if he gained any sort of reputation this year of, you know, that, that AV didn't like, I think he has to shed that and shed it quickly uh, in training camp before the season even starts. Yeah. Cause Elaine Vigneault constantly said in year one, whenever we tried to ask him about Nolan Patrick, he goes, I, you know, I haven't coached Nolan Patrick yet. I haven't seen him a ton. I haven't coached him yet. So I can't really tell you about Nolan Patrick. Then year one with Nolan Patrick um, didn't go real well from a production standpoint and from being effective in all areas. That we, we, we know what Nolan Patrick went through, but it wasn't a great year one with Elaine Vigneault. So now this is year, this is year two for Patrick and Vigneault together. Um, if he doesn't show his game, does he start to lose favor in the head coach's mind? And a lot of people will say, well, he, Nolan, was a head, he, Nolan was a healthy scratch when they were starting to look at a lot of prospects and kids. Uh, obviously, they had a number of NHL debuts at the end of the season because they were out of the playoff picture. But still, the fact is, Nolan Patrick was a candidate to sit for a, for a prospect making his NHL debut. Um, it could have been anyone to sit, but Nolan Patrick, at where he was at that point of the season, he became the odd man out. And like, that's not a great, it's not a great sign yeah. that he was, in Elaine Vigneault's mind, the next man out of the lineup so a kid could come play. Uh, so yeah, you wouldn't see that happen to Sean Couturier. Right. It's not, you know, he's not, I don't care what the situation is or who's making their debut, debut. Sean Couturier is not sitting out of the lineup healthy. No. Um, and Kevin Hayes was a healthy scratch at one point. Elaine Vigneault did say he's banged up, but it was more for performance. So, you know, he, he was sitting guys for performance. It wasn't, you know, just to get him a blow. It was, you know, guys are sitting because they weren't performing. Nolan Patrick was one of them at one point. He's that and, so, you know, a ton there to possibly lose for Nolan Patrick next season. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And... Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Joe, let's get into the playoffs a little bit here. We know the final four teams. The Islanders are the last team standing from the East Division. Kind of crazy to think. I think everyone knew the Islanders were going to be a contending team after knowing they went to the East final the year prior. Um, we know a lot about the Islanders because they gave the Flyers fits last season. They were very tough this year as well. But they were the fourth of four teams in the East Division, uh, and they're the last team standing. What have you been your impressions of these final four teams? Um, and, and, yeah, what have you overall thought about it? A couple thoughts that stood out to me, uh, particularly in the last two days. With the Islanders, it, it's – Barry Trotz teams just don't go away. They, they don't go away. This is a team that lost their captain. Then they went out and, and picked up Kyle Palmieri and Travis Zajac. Now, those moves got criticized because those guys didn't do a ton right away. And then what happens? They play great in the series when it matters the most. Um, there's something about Lou Lamorello he just, it's like he's a magnet to the playoffs and a magnet to series wins. I think I saw a stat the other day. He's reached teams that Lou Lamorello's in, in charge of have reached the conference finals, which there isn't conference finals this year because of the playoff setup, but this is equivalent to the conference final. They've reached the conference finals of five different decades. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's just, it's crazy, and, and you saw Palmieri, Zajac step up the other night. These are playoff veteran. These are veteran players. They know how to score, and we had several conversations on Flyers pre- and post-game this season about with this Islanders team, how any one of their players can be the best player on the ice any given night, and that for the, the nights that we talked about this, we, I remember using Brock Nelson as an example. The other night, he was their best player, but that's not to say the next night Anthony Bovillier is their, their best player. Casey Sezikis is a fourth-line player, and we saw him in a game against the Flyers this year be, was their best player. I mean, they, it's just it's, – it's a unique um, structure of a team when their fourth line is interchangeable with their first. Yeah. They rely so much on their fourth line. It's, it's an unbelievable makeup, and outside of Barzell – you're not really talking about superstar players. You're just talking about star, like any, any player, any night can be a star. We saw, uh, even against the Flyers this year, I remember those couple games where we looked, all of a sudden Nick Letty is a superstar. He's everywhere. Yeah. He's carrying the puck. He's making defensive plays. He's, 
So that night it was Nick Letty. Another night it's Casey Zizekas and it's Anthony Bavillier. We saw him against the Flyers several times. It, they're just a, they they just have an unbelievable makeup. And I think a, a lot of credit really has to go to Lamoureux, like you said, and Barry Trotz too. To me, losing your captain and then to be able to make the final four uh, is pretty impressive. I understand Andrews Lee isn't you know he's not Nathan McKinnon, he's not like Connor McDavid captain like. You know, he's not like a star captain, but he's a well-rounded player. He's your captain, nonetheless, um, a center. Those guys are tough to replace. And to lose in midseason, uh, Lamorello, we know what he did uh, to get uh, Zajac and Palmieri. Uh, great action there by the GM. And then trust just to coach them up and be able to get them to play the same way, um, to regroup. I just think that's a really impressive feat to to lose a captain midseason, um, a captain that's a center that does a lot of things, and, and to be able to make the final four is just it's incredible. And Joe, I'm I'm anxious to hear what would be your ideal Stanley Cup for me. I think a lot of people are, just want to really see the Lightning get there because they are incredibly entertaining. They're the defending champs. Uh, they're fun. They're skilled. They're fast. And I agree with all of that. But for me, I I just don't get Board watching the Islanders. I and I think the contrast of styles, if we could get a Golden Knights Islanders final, I think would be really fun. The Golden Knights being one of the best teams in the league in the regular season, we know they can score, they they can uh, defend, they have a really experienced goalie, and then the Islanders who are just all about being tough to play against, pouncing on mistakes, trying to make you uncomfortable. I just think that would be a really fun cup and. To boot, I've really enjoyed the Islanders fans, and, and their home games have been really fun. Same with Vegas. I just think it would be really fun. New York, Vegas, for me, would be an ideal Stanley Cup. I would love it. How about you? Yeah, I, I think that's a great uh, choice. And the interesting thing about the Islanders, they have this rap that they don't score that much, but look how many goals they're scoring. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's kind of like uh, people are almost ignoring what's actually taking place on the ice. Mm-hmm. that they've been scoring a ton yeah. and they've had goaltending, you know, good goaltending. Yep. So um, I think that would be great. What, what I find interesting is, and I was thinking about this last night, watching Vegas close out Colorado and how crazy that building looked in Vegas. Imagine if Montreal was able to have full capacity of fans, what yep. those two fan experiences are going to, would be like. Yeah. Or, and you just mentioned the Islander fans. What if Montreal reached the finals? Can you imagine that building? Yeah. I mean, that building is like a house of horrors for teams to go to. Now, I think it works against the home team sometimes because their fans are so passionate and so, you know, all that matters in Quebec is Montreal Canadiens. Yeah. So, um, so that's a shame. And it would be a shame for that fan base for the year for them to go to the finals especially on a run like this where they were not expected to go um, for that year to be a year when they can only have whatever 5,000, 7,000 some odd fans would be a shame. Um, I agree with you. I think the best matchup though is the, would be the uh, Islanders Vegas. I do think Tampa and Vegas would be an amazing matchup as that well. That would be a great series too. I can't, I can't deny that. That would be a hell of a Stanley cup. And I, I will point out too, we've talked a lot about number one defensemen and have the flyers needs. And you, I think you saw last night the, the value of a guy like Alex Petrangelo, who 
I know came up in a lot of free agent conversations last offseason. The Flyers couldn't afford him, but he was big time in that game last night. And, and you know, that's an experience, a Stanley Cup winner with the Blues a few seasons back. And, you know, th- those guys are just invaluable at this time of year. Same thing with Marc-Andre Fleury, one of the best playoff goaltenders of all time. And he showed it. I mean, yeah, he allowed three goals last night. But if you watch the second half of that game, he was outstanding. Yeah. And you, you, you just – there was a point where you're like, okay, he's not going to give up another goal. Yeah. No, and two things the Flyers were really lacking this year was goaltending, a goalie that can really just keep you in games and make huge saves, uh, and then also a top pair defenseman um, like Alex Petrangelo. Uh, I think the hopes are still high for Ivan Provrov, but he needed help. There's no doubt about it. Uh, and those two pieces are invaluable, Joe, like you said, in the playoffs. Uh, top pair, number one defenseman with experience and a really, really good goaltender. Flyers didn't have it this year, and uh, it's why they were watching the playoffs. And we'll have to see if they can get back into the playoffs next year. They haven't missed the playoffs in consecutive seasons since the early 90s. So uh, pressure will be on Flyers to get back in there and, and uh, for everyone to be talking about the Flyers in the playoffs, not us talking about other teams in the playoffs. But they've been fun to watch, uh, no doubt about it. Well, Joe Fordyce, thank you so much as always. This has been fun, uh, fun talking most to prove, most to lose on the Flyers roster, and fun talking playoff hockey. Cannot wait to chat with you soon. Thanks as always. A special thank you to Ben Barry, our podcast producer as well, and Flyers fans. As always, thank you for listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. Wherever you get your podcast, please rate and subscribe, and we cannot wait to talk to you next time.